I got a word for this year, and I got it before the end of 2016, and, um, and I want to just, it's a prophetic, uh, often God gives uh, a prophetic picture of what's going to happen, a, a vision, if you will, uh, for the next year. And, and, and I, don't, I didn't make any New Year's resolutions this year. I thought about getting in shape, thought about that, doing that again, but uh, Monday... On Monday, I uh, I was at the uh, my my office at Starbucks and and uh, I was working away and and uh, I'd been thinking about doing a New Year's resolution and a, a lady came in I looked I caught her eye and she walked past and then she came back and I, I took my earphones off because I I thought she wanted to talk to me she did she came back and she said I'm sorry she said I'm sorry I we caught eyes and my sister sent me back in here to see if you were wearing a ring. <laughs> <laughs> So I, so I thought to myself, I was thinking about getting in shape, but apparently I'm apparently I'm good. So I didn't I didn't even know she left. But by the time she left, I uh, well, well that, was, that was nice. Went on a date with my wife on a Thursday, and we went over to that Peruvian chicken place. What is that? Uh, Viva Chicken. That's a good place. And, and uh, I got more fries. <laughs> double, double fries. But uh, then we went into Whole Foods. That's where the rich people buy their, buy their food. But we, just, we were on a date, but we just wanted to see how the rich eat. So we went in there. You know they have a wine bar in there? That's amazing. And there were people at the wine bar. And they saw this. I saw soap. I saw soap. They, and I love the smell of the soap. And, and uh, they had soap at this place. And they, and they had one that was coffee and, and pipe tobacco. And I wanted to get it. Because that was one of my other thoughts. Uh, if I had a New Year's resolution, I'd get a smell this year. <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> What's that smell? It's coffee and pipe tobacco. Yeah, I showered. <laughs> anyway. But I didn't make any New Year's resolutions this year. But I do have a, a, a prophetic vision for this year, and, it's, and it's, it's called breakthrough. I believe 2017 is a year of breakthrough. That is a word that has been, been burning in my heart for the last, oh, two and a half, three months. And it's not just a word for me. It's not just a word uh, for new song, I believe it's I believe it's a word for the everyone in, in this room. I believe it's a word for new song. I believe it's a word for the church this year. And it's not just something that's been burning in my heart. It's if you if you if you follow any of the prophetic ministries, if you follow any leaders, they're talking about 2017 being a year of radical breakthrough in the church. Breakthrough, an act or instance of removing or surpassing an obstruction or restriction. You like that? Yeah. The overcoming of a stalemate. You like that? Any significant or sudden advancement, yeah. development, achievement, or increase that removes a barrier to progress. Wow. You like that? Yeah. I do too. Everyone in this room has a promise from God. I keep my promises. I've got from 2004 to, to 2017 now. I just started one this week. I have uh, folders on my Mac 
book pro that has died last night. I have, but it's going to be rebirthed today. But uh, thankfully, I kept my notes. I, had, I have folders in there of promises that God has given me. Words people have prayed over me, times that I've prayed and had God speak to me, times when I've read the Bible. I write it down. I speak it to my phone. If somebody's going to come pray for me, I'll pull my, say, get a word for me. Hold on. Give me a second. I record it. I listen to it. I record it. I want to get the word of God. I want to be able to get the promises of God. Why? Because I want to know what I'm contending for, right? But if you, you've all got promises, you've all got them. The reality is, is God's given us promises He's given us incredible promise, promises of vision. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That's in Philippians. If you don't have any promises, you can grab that one. Right? Healing. For I will restore health to you and heal all of your wounds, says the Lord. That's in Jeremiah. If you don't have promises, you can grab that one. Right? Wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's in James. You can have wisdom, finances, peace, the Holy Spirit. There's, there's a whole bunch of fruits of the Holy Spirit. You can have promises. You can have the wide, the church. All you got to do is go, go, go on Google, type in the promises of God, and you'll get all kinds of scriptures. God has promises for us. I love Steve Backlund has written a book recently, or not recently, but it's declarations. You can get this book. The promises of God. Everyone in, the, in this body has promises. You were born with a promise. You were born to, to discover who he is and discover who you are and then contend for it. Amen? Amen. Everyone was born with a promise. And, and then you've got the personal promises, the ones where, I love the story of David where he's out in a field and, and, and Samuel comes to his house and Samuel wants to release the promise of God over David, that David would someday be king. He's pulled in and he's, and he's prayed over. And I get the picture that David, who's spent years spending time with God and dis- discovering who he is, it finds himself on his knees being anointed. And when he hears the promise of God, it was very specific that one day you would be king. I, I'm not saying that he knew that he was going to be king someday, but I am saying that he recognized the promise when it came. He went, whoa, I knew I was created for something great. I knew I was supposed to advance the kingdom. Oh, now I have clarity on what it looks like. And it empowered him to live in such a way that he contended for it. He contended for breakthrough. And the very next chapter in chapter seven, you, you find him facing a giant Fearlessly, why? Because the, he'd been promised to be king, and that giant had just attacked his nation. Does that make sense? We all have promises, unique promises. I've got unique promises. One of the promises on my life, everywhere I go, I'm a catalyst for an encounter. By the way, that's a promise you can have. I have a promise, I've said it before, and, and I have them all written down. I catalog them when I get discouraged, when I wonder where we're going. I go and I read what God has promised for me. And I read it and I contend for it and I say, this is mine. One of them is this, and it can happen this morning. One of them, I've said it before. God said that I had a, somebody pray over me and I, and I knew it was from God that he said there would be a time when I would begin to speak where the presence of God will fall so powerfully in the room, the goodness of God will be so established in the room, people will just get healed. You can have that this morning. I'm contending for the promises of God. I'm highlighting them. The Clark family has a promise. My sister got it. That from this day forward, everyone will serve the Lord. You want that one? Contend for it. Take it. 
for I will contend with him who contends with you, and I will save your children. That's in Isaiah. That's a promise. You want to take that one? But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. This is right around the time that Jesus, uh, that Mary has, has been told she's going to have the, the Messiah, Jesus, and her cousin Elizabeth, and her husband, Zacharias. I, I, I love this, this little story. Here's what happens. Zacharias is a priest. He's been praying for year in and year out for a promise. He's been praying for a child. He's been praying for the kingdom. There's a, I love this, uh, this commentary, Ellicott's commentary. The words imply a prayer on the part of Zacharias, not that he might have a son. That hope appears to have died out long before, but that the kingdom of God might come. So get this. He's very old. He was praying for a long time for a son, but then he got really old. But he didn't stop praying for the promise of a kingdom coming. And so this is what happens. I love this. If you, if you read this deeply, this is what it says. Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to call him John. And this is, if you dig into it more, it says this. The prayer for a son that you no longer pray has been heard. He was still praying for the kingdom to be established. He just stopped praying with understanding of how it would happen through a son. I want to say it this way. I said this, I was preparing last night. The prayer you no longer have words for has come to pass. How many of you have promises from God that are 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years old? The prayer you no longer have words for Zacharias has come to pass. I was in Iceland uh, uh, last year. Amazing trip. I couldn't believe I was on this trip. Phenomenal trip. And we, uh, we were shooting uh, some uh, film for a couple projects. And, and uh, so you'd get up. It was, it was summer, so the sun would rise at 530. Stunning place. And then 9.30, and so you would just, you'd get up as early as you could to get the sun, and you'd go all day, just, it was five guys, we just, we just it was amazing, beautiful. Hey, does that, is that a, is that a, is that a glacier? That is a glacier. And then we'd go climb on a glacier, and we'd go film it. It was just, I actually have, I, uh, I, well, I was there, speaking of promises, God said that, that I would get to go back, because he was bringing revival to Iceland. So I actually have a brochure in my bag of Iceland, and I pull it out occasionally, I look at it. I keep the promises close, right? And so we were there, though, and we were filming this stuff. And, and, uh, and so uh, on the way back to the, the hotel room, you want to burn all your, take all your memory cards, and you want to back them all up on hard drives. And you don't want to do it when you get to the hotel because it's going to take an hour. You're going to lose an hour of sleep, and we need to get up to go again the next day. So we're in the car. It's a drive, hour drive back going through Reykjavik, and we're all th- three guys in the back seat, and we're pulling memory cards out of cameras. And my brother's the, the, the one there, and he drops uh, one of the memory cards. that falls under the, the seat, and, and we can't get to it. The next morning, we, we, um, we realize it's fallen under the track, and we're in a foreign nation uh, that, that's... Um, uh, 
they're very gracious, wonderful, amazing people, but maybe not customer service. That maybe isn't one of their strong suits. And, <laughs> and so we have to figure out, we realize we have to take in this, this rental car. We have to take the seat out of the car to get this memory card. We have to get this memory card. It's got a whole day worth of footage on it. And so now, instead of going out to, on our day to go do everything we need to do, we've got to go find someplace in, in Reykjavik, uh, to, to get a, somebody to take a car seat out of a rental car, so, and it has a special wrench. And so we're drive, we, we drive by, and we 6.30 in the morning, we see a, a dealership. We go in, and we, my brother gets out of the car, and he goes in and tries to explain to them that we've lost this little tiny thing in English to the guy. And he comes out, and he looks, and he goes, uh-huh, yes, yes, I understand. I, under, I cannot do it. I understand. I go, go, next, go over there. So we get in the car, and we drive to the next place, and we go into the next place. And my brother walks out, and I walk, and he goes in. He's trying to explain to him and, and get him out there and, and look at the car, and the guy's like, yeah, can't do it. Go to the next place. So we get back in the car. We drive to the next place. We get out, and we go talk to the guy. This guy, this is a really good picture of, of Iceland uh, customer service for you. He says very clearly in English, I understand what you'd like. And we were offering them money to do this. Well, we can pay you to do it. Can you do it? He said, yes, I know how to do it. Will you do it? No. Why? I don't want to. <laughs> so, let's, and we went back, wait a second, I said, you know, I have the wrench. You want to have the wrench. You know how to do it. We'll pay you to do it. Yes, I know how to do it. I can do it. So you'll do it. No. I, why not? I don't want to. Okay, go next door. So we, we drive, and it was just down the road. We go to the next door. We finally got there. The fourth place, we go in. The mechanic says, I know how to do it. Go talk to my boss. We go in. We talk to the boss. Boss says, yes, mechanic knows how to do it. Go talk to the mechanic. We walk back to the mechanic, and we imply that the boss has said, green light, buddy. And the guy gets down there. Boom, three minutes. He has it out. Ha, ha, we've got this thing. His name, I think, was Mikay. He didn't want to hug us, or he was, didn't appreciate it our enthusiasm, but we did it, victorious, breakthrough, we've got it, got in the car, got on our way, one of the guys was in the car with us, uh, his name's Jacob Early, and he said, the favor of God, and I said, yes, because it was the favor of God, we, we, he didn't end up charging us, it only really took half an hour out of our day, and we were able to get a whole day's worth of footage that would have been lost uh, out of a rental car underneath the track, took the whole seat out, get this thing. Absolutely the favor of God. Amen? Favor of God. But it would have never happened without the persistence of everybody in the car. Bill Johnson has a saying, most of what you need, God will bring to you. Most of what you need in life, God will bring to you. Most of what you want, you have to go get. It's a breakthrough year. So how do we steward our hearts into breakthrough? Doing all right. It's the most I've ever looked at the clock. Here we go. Three things about breakthrough. Y'all doing okay? Okay. Set this up here. God wants breakthrough in our thinking. Breakthrough in our experience. It starts with thinking. Breakthrough in our thinking leads to breakthrough in our experience. Leads to breakthrough for the generations. You know, he never gives you breakthrough just for you. It's always about the next generation. There's this uh, story uh, in 2 Kings about Naaman. I love it. Naaman is a commander in the Syrian army, an army, uh, a nation uh, uh, that's uh, neighboring Israel. 
And Naaman is well, uh, well appreciated by Aram, it's the king there. Uh, and Naaman is well respected. He's had lots of victories. And, and you can read about it in 2 Kings. And then there's this, there's this one problem with Naaman, though. He's got leprosy. And so he's slowly dying a painful death. And his, uh, his, his wife has a servant who is, uh, is a Jewish girl, and she, upon hearing that he has leprosy, tells her, 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 uh, her master uh, that there is a prophet in Israel, his name's Elisha, there's a prophet in Israel who can heal him, who can heal him. Are you with me? And so, and so Naaman goes to the king, racing through this, he goes to the king. The king loves him and gives his blessing, gives him 10 shekels or 10 talents with a lot of money, whatever it was, sends him on his way to go and find, to the king of Israel uh, and, and basically to go be healed, to go get healed of this leprosy. So Naaman goes, he finds the king of Israel. The king of Israel is distraught because he thinks, who can heal leprosy? And he goes, oh, my goodness. But meanwhile, Elisha is aware of what's going on, and he sends a message to the king. He says, send Naaman to me. I got this. Are you with me? So Naaman shows up at Elisha's house. Here we go. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel torn his... Okay, go wash. Okay, here we go. Ready? This, this is the Bible. I put it all in here. He says, have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha doesn't go out to meet him. Elisha sent out a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Now Naaman is angry, and he said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on, on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure my leprosy. He's pretty upset. He's an important fella. He un, he's got people that navigate around him and, 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 and really bow to him. He's a man of influence, and he's a little bit annoyed that, the, that, that this, uh, this Elisha character wouldn't come out and meet him. And so here's how the story goes. He's pretty upset. He's going to leave. He actually says, um, are not... The rivers in my country, in Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Now he has his servant. The servant's amazing. And the servant basically says, hey, uh, boss, I mean, if he'd ask you to do something tough, I mean, we're just, we're going to go right by the Jordan. <laughs> I mean, what, what could it hurt? It's, that's what he's basically, his, his servant's like, I mean, you know, you are dying. And so Naaman softens his heart a little bit, and this is what happens. Breakthrough in the thinking first, remember? This is what happens. He goes under the water of the Jordan. A man of authority, a man who knows what's going on, he goes under the water, he comes up. He's desperate for an answer, right? He goes under a second time, he comes up. Two, three, four, five... He starts to get to five. You know what's happening? Every time he's going under the water, he has to acknowledge the possibility that there's something greater than what he knows. Every time he goes under the water and comes up, 
he has to acknowledge the p- potential that he doesn't have all the answers, that there's, a, there's something truer than his experience. Every time he comes under the water and comes up, he is leaving desperation and moving closer towards hope. And what is happening, and the reason I think for him it was seven times, listen, nobody forced him under the water. He, by his own will, partnered his will. Yes, he had need, but he partnered his will and went under the water. And every time he went under the water, there was transformation taking place in his thinking. He was having to come to a conclusion that there was potentially something greater than what he understood, something truer than what he understood, something that was good versus something that was evil, something that was right versus something that was wrong, something that had more power than the something that he could see, something unseen more powerful than what he could see. And every time he went under the water, his mind was being changed. He was being transformed. You see, he wanted someone to come and go, abracadabra, you're fixed. And that would be transformation in your experience, but it would never be transformation in your mind. And it would not lead to transformation in the generations. And so what God does is he takes them on a journey. He says, I'm not just after transformation in your experience. I want all of you. I want you transformed in your body, but I want you transformed in your thinking. Because if you're transformed in your thinking first, your body comes, and then guess what? Here's what happens. Naaman goes back and essentially says, from this day forward, everyone in my house serves this God. From this day forward, he is the God I serve transformation in your thinking leads to transformation in your experience leads to transformation for the generations ah we love you Jesus you're in such a good mood this morning all right let me close here we were uh Praying for this year. Praying for the promises of God contending. I could, I could give this message in 20, early 2016 or early 2018. The reality is that God is always leading us into breakthrough. He wants breakthrough in our thinking that leads to breakthrough in our, in our experiences that becomes breakthrough for the generations. Amen? But I do believe that this is a year specifically where God is going to release a special grace for those who have been contending, who, have, who haven't even had the right words but have still continued to pray. Like John, right? They don't even know the words anymore because the thing they were thinking they were originally contending for, doesn't even, it's not even possible. We're too old to have kids, but we're still, we're still contending for the kingdom. And the prayer that you stopped praying has come to pass. This is a year that I believe there's special grace for us to to lean into, to steward that, amen? This is the year where the things we've been contending for, even the things that we've lost words for, he has grace to release. And I really believe that for this year. And so I want us to steward our lives. It requires being willing to, by our own actions, to partner our actions in the process, to go after it, to make it happen, that the favor of, of God, the breakthrough of God is something that is, that is given, but that we go get, that we steward into it. We don't, we don't quit. We don't back down. Amen. 
and it's for the generations. So I was praying for this year a couple months months ago, and I and I, I believe that, that was when God began to suggest there's breakthrough. I was this is my prayer. I was like, God, I want to begin to see some reaping for where we've sown. And I was really going, I want to see reaping for where we've sown. We've been sowing, we've been tending, we've been tending. I want to see the breakthrough. I want to see something come up out of the ground. I want to see it, God. I have to see it. It's illegal not to see it. And he, this is his response to me. He said, Jason, you'll never see it in the fullness of what you want. And I, he threw me for a loop. You're never going to see the fullness of the reaping that you've been sowing. And I went, what? I didn't even know what he was talking about. And he said, because you're a father and you... And you're going, to, you're going to reap. The, the, the sowing that you do today is generational. You know that, son. So, and this is the story he gave me, and I, I want to close with this. There was an old farmer. Uh, he was in his late 80s in California. He had a vineyard. And the story goes that he was, uh, I, I heard this several years ago, uh, he was plowing under an entire portion of his field, an entire portion of the vineyard. He was plowing it under, and they were replanting. And they were planting a grape that would produce a wine that it actually wouldn't come to maturity for 30 to 40 years. Why? I just think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. This farmer was sowing a crop. He would never be around to reap the reward of. God brought that to my memory. He said, Jason, you're sowing like a father for the generations. Remember what you're contending for is really big. But then he said this to me. He said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. This is what it means. He said, but Jason, there's going to be a season coming, a season is, and it's now here, where the, the abundance... What that scripture is saying is that there's such an abundance in the harvest that you're still harvesting when it's time to sow again. That's a good word. I'll take that. I'll take that this year. Breakthrough in our thinking leads to breakthrough in our experience, gives us the authority to become a breakthrough for the generations. See, I'm not just contending for me and my house. That'd be too small. I'm contending for a a new thought, new revelation on God that transforms me. The goodness of God, right? The kindness of God leads to transformation, changes the way we think, changes our experience. We become catalysts for an encounter that changes the generation's that follow us in our own family and in our community and in our church and our city and in our nation. Would you stand up? I just want to pray for you real quick.